This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, uh, Editor-in-Chief for the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the uh, great pleasure of uh, speaking with Dr. Jason Wright, who is the Chief of the Division of Gynecologic Oncology at Columbia University Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Welcome, Jason. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Pedro. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Jason, I wanted to uh, talk to you regarding uh, a topic that I think certainly uh, carries a tremendous amount of relevance for, for us in gynecologic oncology, um, and one um, that you published uh, recently in a manuscript titled Effectiveness of Postoperative Chemotherapy for Stage 1 Mucinous Ovarian Carcinoma in the Journal Gynecologic Oncology. And we know certainly, obviously, that mucinous tumors are, are rare tumors and, and uh, tumors that are often are, are challenging in terms of how to proceed with regards to who gets treatment and if getting treatment, what type of treatment. So I think that this is a, a really important topic of, of, uh, of discussion. So thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So, Jason, I just wanted to start by just asking you to please share with us some of the details regarding like the frequency of mucinous ovarian tumors and, and what we know with regards to prognosis compared to the serous ovarian carcinomas, and particularly for stage 1 tumors. Sure. Uh, so mucinous uh, tumors are, are a rare subtype of, of epithelial ovarian cancer. Uh, mucinous tumors are, are thought to account from anywhere from 2 to 11% of, of ovarian cancers, depending on the population that's studied and, and the particular series. Uh, well, we know that mucinous tumors tend to be diagnosed at, at an early stage uh, compared to other epithelial subtypes, particularly compared to, to serous carcinomas. And there's a preponderance of mucinous tumors that are, are stage 1 at diagnosis. Uh, among those women with stage 1 mucinous tumors, the overall prognosis tends to be very favorable, uh, with some series showing five-year survival rates that exceed 90% for women with, with stage 1 mucinous tumors of the ovary. Uh, so overall, these tend to be earlier stage, and, and when they are diagnosed, tend to have a more favorable prognosis than serous tumors. And and I think certainly, you know, for for mucinous tumors that are confined to the ovary. I think we all agree that uh, most likely those patients do not need additional treatment. And of course, obviously, for advanced disease, those patients do need treatments. But, but you uh, specifically uh, focused in, in this per uh, particular manuscript, uh, and this was actually quite a large study evaluating the role of postoperative chemotherapy and survival in the women with stage 1C mucinous ovarian cancer. So in other words, obviously, uh, patients who have uh, capsular involvement or in patients who had uh, a rupture of, of their tumor. Can you tell us the reason as to why uh, you did this study? Yeah, certainly. I think the you know, the impetus for the, the study was in large part due to the lack of, of data specifically examining uh, early stage uh, mucinous tumors and the efficacy of various postoperative treatment regimens. Um, you know, oftentimes, I, I think we you know, consider not treating the, these patients, but when you look at general recommendations for ovarian cancer, they typically including, include use of chemotherapy for women with 1C tumors as well as women with high-grade lesions. Uh, Specifically for populations with mucinous tumors, the benefit of chemotherapy is largely unknown. Um, these malignancies often do not respond well to platinum-based therapy, uh, as well as the fact that the overall prognosis is, is, is favorable for stage 1 uh, mucinous tumors. Uh, we really wanted to examine the value of chemotherapy in this specific population. 
And I think certainly, obviously, we would agree that uh, doing any type of prospective study in this patient population will be very challenging given the, the rarity uh, of the disease, and particularly in the early stage. So obviously, you, you chose to evaluate, uh, and uh, your study was based on an analysis of the National Cancer uh, Database. Would you be able to uh, tell us a little bit about the this database? And, and um, many of our listeners are from outside of the United States that may not be as familiar with this very robust uh, data uh, repository. Sure. So the National Cancer Database, or, or the NCDB, is a, a large tumor registry in the United States. Uh, the National Cancer Database collects data from hospitals across the, the U.S., so it's throughout the, the entire country. And for uh, institutions to, to join the National Cancer Database, they must apply uh, and they have to adhere to rigorous quality standards for both the data collection and, and follow-up uh, of patients. Uh, so recent estimates suggest that, that the National Cancer Database is able to capture approximately 70% uh, of all newly diagnosed cancer cases in the United States. So this is a, uh, both a large and a robust uh, data source uh, that represents uh, uh, many hospitals in the U.S. And Jason, for, for those who might be interested, is this a database that is accessible to anyone in the United States or even outside of the United States? Uh, this is a, a database that, that you have to, to apply uh, to gain access to, to the data. And to be granted access to the data, you have to be affiliated with a member institution uh, that's associated with the National Cancer Database. So you either have to be at an institution that's affiliated or have a collaborator that's at an affiliate institution. I see. So uh, with regards to, to this particular study, can you tell us about your inclusion criteria? What were some of your exclusion criteria when getting the data from, from the database? Sure. So we wanted to focus the analysis on, on high-risk uh, stage 1 uh, mucinous tumor patients. So we selected women uh, with stage 1 mucinous tumors of the ovary. Uh, all patients were diagnosed over a 10-year period from 2004 to 2014, and all patients underwent primary ophorectomy. Uh, so we excluded those patients uh, who had received neoadjuvant chemotherapy, and we also excluded patients who did not undergo surgery. Uh, this was the first uh, diagnosis of malignancy in, in these patients, uh, and these patients all had, had histologic confirmation of their tumors. I see. And um, what, what were the results? What did you, what did you guys find? So overall, we identified a large cohort. We identified uh, just over 900 women uh, with stage 1C mucinous tumors. Uh, they were treated across the country, so the patients were treated at 455 institutions. Uh, overall, in, in the cohort, 59% of the women received chemotherapy. Uh, so a, a majority of women were actually treated with postoperative chemotherapy. And when we looked over the duration of the study, over the 10-year study period, use of chemotherapy was relatively stable over the course of the study. So it doesn't appear to be dramatically increasing or, or decreasing over time. Uh, we found that women with, with higher grade tumors, so grade two or three tumors, women with larger tumors, and women who'd undergone staging with lymphadenectomy uh, were more likely to receive chemotherapy. Um, in contrast, uh, women who were younger, those less than 50, were, were less likely to receive chemotherapy. Um, within the cohort, we uh, noted 89 deaths. Uh, which was 17% of the cohort, and overall five-year survival uh, was 82% uh, for both women who received chemotherapy um, as well as women who were not treated with chemotherapy. So absolutely no difference in survival, uh, whether or not uh, the patients with 1C mucinous tumors received chemotherapy. Uh, we did a number of multivariable survival models, 
uh, as well as sensitivity analyses where we adjusted for a variety of confounding factors. I looked at specific populations of women with mucinous tumors, and the results were, were largely unchanged across all of those analyses. There was really no survival benefit that we could identify uh, for chemotherapy in this population. Yes, some really interesting uh, findings. And, in, in, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I also noted that uh, then by definition, 31% of patients with 1C did, did not get any, any additional treatment. So that, that to me was also a little bit uh, surprising. Um, were, were you surprised by, by these findings that there, the chemotherapy basically did not make a difference? Uh, you know, as you said, we, we were surprised by the, the frequency of, of women who were not treated with the, the chemotherapy, but I, I don't think we were really surprised that there was no benefit in, in survival. You know, I think when you think look at the biology of, of these tumors, we, we hypothesize that the benefits of chemotherapy may be limited, um, as well as the fact that, that these tumors overall have a fairly uh, favorable prognosis. Uh, so I don't think we were necessarily surprised with the findings that we that we noted. And then um, I'll be interested in hearing your thoughts because I know that you know that there's often the differentiation of the infiltrative uh, mucinous type versus the expansile uh, type. And I, do you know if there there will be any benefit to chemotherapy in in uh, in the more aggressive uh, tumors? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, we actually had the the same same thought when we were analyzing it and writing up the data. Um, you know, one limitation of this database is that, it, that it, it is based on tumor registry data, so we lack more precise pathologic information. Um, and as I said, there was no central pathology review that was performed for the, the study. I think it's a, a great question to, to try to look further in, in a, with other data sources to see if there is a population that uh, potentially benefits. Um, you know, I think given the overall favorable results um, and the fact that we really saw no survival signal, yeah, I, I would guess that there's probably not a, a survival benefit in these populations, but I think it definitely, you know, warrants further study. Sure. And um, obviously now this is this is the question that always comes up um, with regards to if given chemotherapy, uh, what should be the type of chemotherapy regimen that, that we use? And, and should it be a platinum taxane-based regimen versus a gastrointestinal type regimen? Yeah, uh, yeah, certainly a, a very important question. I think, as you, as you brought up, yeah, these tumors are often unresponsive to, to platinum analogs, um, and the biology typically more closely recapitulates tumors of the gastrointestinal tract. So I think there's a you know, really strong rationale to consider 5-FU-based therapy or some type of other GI regimen. Um, I, I think data is limited, uh, unfortunately, in this setting, so there's really not good evidence to, to guide what we do. Um, you know, for this particular study of stage 1C patients, I think given the favorable overall prognosis for the cohort, yeah, I, I don't think it's really the, the type of regimen that was used that w was driving our findings. But uh, certainly this is a, a, a great unanswered question. And I think uh, another question that uh, frequently comes up is, uh, you know, the, the role, particularly in early stage disease, the role of uh, lymph node sampling or, or lymphadenectomy. We, we did a, a study here at Anderson, uh, obviously retrospective several, several years ago, that we didn't really find that there was a, a high rate of uh, lymph node metastases in patients with mucinous tumors. And I was wondering your, your thoughts on, on, that, on that question. 
Yeah, we've we've seen the the, the same trends when you look retrospectively. Um, the rate of, of nodal MEX appears to be lower for mucinous tumors than high-grade serous tumors and some of the other subtypes. Um, when you looked at our data in our cohort, 72% of the women underwent a, a node dissection, so the majority uh, did undergo nodal assessment. I think in, in this population, particularly uh, if you're considering not giving chemotherapy to a patient with, with stage 1C disease, uh, I think it makes sense to, to comprehensively stage these patients. You, you know for certain that the status of the, the lymph node. Um, but, you know, as you said, with, this is with the caveat that, that I think the rate of node match is probably lower in mucinous tumors than some of the other histologic subtypes. And then now, Jason, um, as a final question, with regards to the, the impact on practice, and, and of course, obviously, it's always a privilege to hear from the authors of, of the manuscript themselves and, uh, and their own personal practice. How does this impact our management of patients with stage 1C tumors moving forward. What, what is the management in your practice, in your institution now with regards to this patient population? Yeah, I think this is really one of the first uh, large studies to, to specifically address the question of chemotherapy for patients with 1C disease. Um, I think in our institution, we're using this data now to, to counsel patients uh, regarding survival estimates and potentially the, the lack of benefit for chemotherapy. Um, I think as you brought up at the beginning of the discussion, I, I think it's with the caveat that this is based on, on observational data. Um, it, it's likely that, that this is probably not going to be a question that's addressable in, in, in a prospective manner, just given how infrequent the, these tumors are. Um, so I, I think with that caveat in, in mind, again, I, I think we are using this data to, to at least individualized treatment somewhat, you know, discussing the pros and cons of chemotherapy with patients. So I think it's important important in that regard. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Are, are there any uh, closing remarks you would like to make? Um, you know, again, I think this is an important topic. I, I think this is this is a paper that, that helps lead the way towards more in, thinking about more individualized treatments for ovarian cancer. And I think studies like this using the National Cancer in, uh, Database, I think this is a great resource to study rare tumor subtypes. And I, I, I think, you know, going forward, it would be of great interest to, to get other series from around the world also addressing uh, these type of, of rare tumors so we can have more personalized treatment strategies for ovarian cancer. Well, thank you so, so much. This has been a fantastic opportunity to learn about this particular topic, and I really appreciate your time, and uh, congratulations on your work. Thank you so much, uh, Pedro. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for highlighting this work.